Beavers sweep the Arizona Wildcats. And hey, we've got a guest on. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beaver Man Beat Podcast. Right, I'm here with Ryan Harlan with the Orange Media Network, um, covering the Beavs for us down in Corvallis and Boots on the Ground. Um, really good to have him on the podcast. I want to give him a big shout out for reaching out to me um, and kind of working things with me and setting this up to have him on. Uh, so welcome to the pod, Ryan. Thank you for having me, Pat. I appreciate it. And uh, what a week to kind of come on following a huge weekend sweep for the Beavers. Uh, were you oh, able to be down there at Goss for, for any of the games? Uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, I was busy with homework. I mean, that's the life of, you know, being a student reporter. Uh, yeah. You got you got homework on some days. No, I was keeping track of keeping track of the games. And man, that that was something I, I thought I thought game three for sure, at least like, oh, this is out of hand. And then I'm like Travis Pizana home run. I'm like, oh, might be a comeback. Don't want to speak a little too soon. And sure enough. Beavs walk it off again for the second time uh, in a row. And that's the tricky one with those Sunday games is especially with uh, the injury to Jaron Hunter, it's up to the bullpen on that Sunday game, really. Uh, Lattery's been holding down the starting position, but he's really only gotten through two, maybe three innings max. So I see what you're saying where things get ugly early and it's a big question mark as to whether they can keep things close enough to fight back because the bullpen's kind of been that question mark for the Beavers this later half of the season. Oh, yeah, definitely. And... You know, that's something that's a bit of concern, I would say, for the Beavs going into postseason, for sure. Uh, but I think if you get them more experience and, you know, get them in that groove a little bit and seeing that live competition, I think it makes a little more of a difference. But right now, that's probably the only question mark I really have, a really area of concern so far. Yeah, I'm with you there. And it'll be interesting for me to see how Canem and Dorman go about managing the staff, uh, because with the amount of games and the time that it's played, the starters, as much as you'd love to stretch them out to kind of limit the amount of time that you're going to need to rely on the bullpen, you really can't do that if you need them to go on three, four days rest, another outing out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, two starters that I think that can probably go longer if need be, if Canem and Dorman decide to, or probably Sellers and Kamats. Yep. Um, but and if that's the rest really, is kind of like, I, I mean, I think it's to their discretion and to what, however they think they want a game plan best for each opponent going forward. I feel good with that too. Cause those are probably the two starters I'm the most comfortable with going that long, especially, I mean, Kamats on Saturday spun a gem and he almost went all seven innings and just gave Ferrer and Brown an inning each at the end, which is an ideal situation. I think for most Beaver outings, uh, to have Ferrer come on as the hold guy, the setup guy, and then come and bring Brownie on in the ninth and close things down. I mean, those young arms in the bullpen are kind of starting to get more and more run, especially with the injury to Jaron Hunter. Uh, Nelson Kelgo is really starting to turn things around. Um, AJ Hutchinson, it's just going to be, can they all kind of compete together as a cohesive unit as they get into kind of the rigor of the NCAA tournament? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, really? Yeah, it's just time. And I know we're winding down here in the season and you know you want to have that cohesiveness come together as quickly as possible but i think it's going to take probably a little bit of time probably realistic expectation would probably be either the final home series or start a pac-12 tournament most likely yep. um 
but that's kind of just I would say a general time frame of when to kind of expect the rest of the bullpen probably to come together ideally. Yeah, and this would be a tricky one, and I I don't I think I know the answer to it, but I was gonna ask you if you have any insight. I know in typical Pat Casey fashion and now into Mitch Cannon fashion, the team is extremely tight lipped on injuries. Have you heard anything on Jaron Hunter's injury? I have not heard anything on Jaron Hunter's injury, not yet. I know yeah, so probably they're going to yeah they're probably going to be very tight with about it but i know for one of our one of our writers that was there when jaron hunter got injured taken out we had a photo i guess it looked like something maybe with the elbow that's just speculation on my end but like i know he was kind of grabbing his arm elbow area so i don't know exactly That their policies on I mean, even football, especially Smith, is extremely tight-lipped on that kind of thing. It doesn't happen as often with hoops, but that's got to be tough for you on your end, trying to get to the bottom of some of these interesting similar big questions with Beaver Nation. Oh yeah, absolutely. I understand a lot of people are very interested in that. It's like I, if I knew, I would <laughs> exactly say it, but I don't. I unfortunately I don't. Yeah, so, I mean, it it goes without saying, but having a return there from Jaron Hunter would be colossal, to say the least, at this point of the season. If you can just stretch out another arm there. I mean, you and I were discussing a little bit about it before we got on of how injuries can kind of derail a whole season there. So it's going to be kind of tricky and then vital for the Beavers to stay healthy on the pitching side of things. I'm um, to the point now where with one little tweak or one, one other guy going down, I think you find yourselves in a real bad position heading into not even the NCAA tournament, but the Pac-12 tournament. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Injuries can can kind of derail a season or you have high expectations to start a season. I mean, you know, we were talking about it earlier with Beaver softball. You know, that was kind of what happened. A lot of people I know probably thinking like, hey, what what's going on with this team? You know, weren't they supposed to take sort of that figurative next step after making it to Oklahoma City? And Really, it's it's the story of the season's been injuries. Right. You know, Watley's gone down with the injury. Uh, Kiki Escobar was out before the season started. Sarah Hendigas is also out too, starting pitcher. You know, it's it's basically as Coach Berg told me. You know, team's snake bitten with injuries, and she's kind of had to play a bunch of different people in different positions, and you know giving people opportunities and it's, you know, next woman up is the way that she described it. Fill in all the holes as best as you can. Yeah. yeah, You're kind of pulling together as best as you can. And I really do think that this season is an anomaly, like the record and all that, just because of all those injuries. And I really don't expect that in 2024, just injuries can really derail kind of what you're hoping for out of your team. But I know Berg is going to try to make, you know, the Arizona State Series a little, you know, very competitive at the end there. And hopefully right. towards the uh, Pac-12 tournament, the inaugural softball Pac-12 tournament. All so. right. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, that little bit of a spark at the end of the season can be huge. Just going into the offseason, keeping everybody motivated. And it's tough after you come off a season where it was such a success and you get to oh, uh, yeah. the Women's College World Series and, you know, unfortunately dropped the first two, but it's just about getting there. I mean, I think without hesitation i believe that uh, both the men's and the women's college world series are the two most difficult national championships to win in collegiate sports just because in the games of baseball and softball not always is it the best team that wins it's a couple factors you got to be playing well you need the ball to bounce your way a couple times and 
to harp on the injury thing again, you kind of really need to stay healthy and have all those things work out for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, in terms of updates on injuries, Savannah Watley is at, is starting rehab right now. So out of surgery, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I don't know where everybody else is yet, but basically on the road to, on the road to recovery right now, two months. Yeah. Out. Um, so, and that'll be maybe it'll be all perfect timing with uh, Kelly Field coming together down there in Corvallis, um, turned into a real beautiful spot there, a culmination season in in order for the beef softball in twenty twenty four. Oh yeah, definitely. And to kind of plug, thing I will be there for for the Arizona State series for Beaver softball, so I will be there. So should should be should be a fun one. Uh, I know. Be, I always enjoy it. I always enjoy covering softball. So. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'll take a prediction for you or from you on the final Arizona State series, and then we'll do predictions on the way out for the baseball season, uh, just their last three series, and then we'll probably jump over to the gridiron if that's cool with you. Oh, that's that's totally fine by me. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm gonna take the Beavers win in the series uh, against Arizona State this weekend, home turf. Um, I know the fans will start show out. Uh, should be nice weather. Hopefully, you can get a repeat of this past weekend. And I think they'll they'll pull it out, come together, and take this last season series and bury Arizona State at the bottom of the Pac-12 standings. There, I I like Beavs to win the series. Probably, I'm thinking it's a two-one yep. win uh, at least. Uh, so I think it'll be good. I got I got nothing. More, I got nothing more than that. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. And uh, kind of vice versa. I'm also taking the Beavers on the side of things for the baseball program, Utah picked up their first series win of the season this past weekend, and they did it in sweep fashion as they took a series over Washington State. My The poor Cougs of uh, how the mighty have fallen from the beginning of the season. They're kind of breaking up into a cloud of dust, but they go down to Utah. Utah takes all three. Um, I think Utah now jumps Cal in the Pac-12 standings. Yeah, so Cal is now sitting at the bottom of the Pac-12 standings. I'm going to take the Beavers to sweep these three. Good on Utah for getting a sweep over the, the Cougs, but that team's not going to beat the the Beavs in Corvallis this weekend. Yeah, I like Beavs' opportunity to sweep here. You know, I think this team is finding that footstep uh, officially, like kind of walking, you know, all kind of all cohesively together at this point. I think they found their groove. They found who we are as a team, and this yeah. is what we're going to be. And, I, yeah, I, I like their opportunities to take a sweep. And I thought it was a, a real kind of good checkpoint, I suppose, for the Beavers this past weekend with Arizona. They You won three games in kind of three very different fashions. Arizona Friday night, real tight, close game, two to one, string things together in the ninth to make it work. Saturday, come out, produce a ton of runs, pitching the staff is shut down, easy 10-4 win. Sunday, take a big deficit, climb all the way back. Could have won it at nine, unfortunately. They had suffered that run, or they gave up the run in the bottom of the ninth. But then you go back and you win it in the tenth. So I think managerial-wise and coaching staff-wise, that really tested that staff and made them look at things in a ton of different lenses over the weekend with bullpen usage and roster usage and even just bunting and base running. Uh, that first inning of this game on Sunday, the Bazana walk, stole second base, Garrett Forster single. That is Pat Casey baseball. That is utilizing all your base runners, getting guys in. Um, that was perfect to watch. So I was excited about that, and I think a huge kind of building block for the Beavs moving forward. Uh, oh yeah, basically showed they can win it any way that they can. You know, I yeah. think 
concerns about winning a tight, close game, coming from behind, you know, or dominating an opponent. I think Beavs showed fans that, hey, we can do all three. You and know, that's it might be ugly. It might be an ugly win, but hey, we can do it. And that's, exactly, that's the term I was using earlier in the, the podcast earlier this season. If this young team can learn to win ugly, then there's some really bright things in store for this program. Oh, yeah. uh, a couple intriguing midweek games. We've got the Oregon game tomorrow night in Corvallis, and then the following Tuesday is the annual game against UP up at Ron Tonkin. Are you gonna be able to make either of those guys? Tuesday, possibly I can make I can make that one. No, we have somebody on it, but I'll probably be able to swing by that one. Take it in as a fan, possibly. Yeah. It's trust me when I say it's weird taking in games as a fan because like <laughs> I will sit there and I'm like I feel almost kind of figuratively naked. Like yeah. I don't have a computer in front of me. I don't have my notes out. I'm not writing things down. Right. Uh, and I'm kind of like, what am I? I'm like, what am I doing <laughs> here? Um, no, but it, it's it's a nice, you know, change of pace. To be perfectly honest with you, it's nice to have that from time to time. But it it is kind of weird, uh, a little a little bit. Um, I bet, and it's funny because that's something that I probably never would have thought about. Kind of being usually so like on guard, kind of and taking in every little little last thing that you can. Yeah. And, and on the other side of things, being able to really just kind of feed up, if you will, in the student section there at Goss. So that is the Utah's the last home series. That Oregon game is not the last Pac-12 game there because Western Carolina will come in after Utah. But there is a road trip down to UCLA snuck in between there, which I don't really know how to feel about this series anymore. At the beginning of the season, I was like, this will be a real nice tune-up test. But I, I, I don't know what to make of this UCLA program. They're kind of where Oregon was earlier in the year where they're they win, they lose, kind of a tale of two ball clubs. And so I think that'll be the story is what do the Beavs get when they get down there? I yeah. think they'll take the series. I wouldn't be shocked if they drop it. And that would kind of be worst case scenario because Beaver social media would combust, I think, if they dropped the series so close to the tournament. Oh, you you reminded me you reminded me of a mailbag question that that I got that I answered where I basically just, I kind of called out a lot of those fans where it like, it partly, it came from the beginning of the season when Beavs dropped the opener to yeah. Mexico. And I was like, it's, I was like thinking at the time, I was like, guys, it's game one. I understand, <laughs> but it's the first game of the season. I understand why you're concerned, but the sky's not falling down. Yeah. And uh, but, it's not just it's not just Beaver Twitter. I still get I get UW Twitter and I get Oregon Twitter and I get uh, Cougar Twitter. So I see every program has it, but um, definitely I see Oregon State the most. And yeah, it's a sixty game season, and to be after one game or one series, especially I remember the the Washington State series. Yeah, most people were convinced the sky was falling. So that's the uh, the beauty of being a fan though of a baseball program is the trials and tribulations of the season and it looks like it's coming to fruition for the beavers so uh, ucla this past weekend took one from stanford which i don't know i probably would have predicted that they've got cal they'll probably take that series and then we're gonna say so tough to say but for the sake of it i'm gonna say the beavers will, will take that series and finish up pac-12 play kind of on a high note all right think that's a realistic expectation i think a 2-1 win over ucla is probably the most realistic but yeah i don't i don't i don't i i'd say a sweep is probably a little too early to even 
to to say. I think you know. You yeah, see, one like, of those things. Some of their next few games here to really get a gauge. Yeah, and if they do take the sweep, obviously I'll be ecstatic. Oh, yeah. I'm go in expecting the sweep. And Oregon State's had a tough run. They are one of the few programs in the Pac-12 to play. I guess once they started their Pac-12 slate, they have not left it. They have not had that non-conference weekend yet. That is coming to the last weekend of the series for them, or last weekend of the season. But most of these teams have gotten a weekend off against a non-conference opponent. I'm not saying that opponent's always kind of a cupcake. Um, I know some schools have really played some some tough teams on their non-conference weekends, but Oregon State's really been running the gamut with all these Pac-12 conference meaningful series. Oh, yeah, no, they they have uh... – I mean, what what more can you say other than like they're 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 just powering through it at this point. So going off of teams that is gonna face a tough schedule, we're gonna bounce to a different side of things and flip to what I am so excited to get talking more and more about. Don't get me wrong, baseball's probably my favorite sport, but football's gotta be just electric to cover. So I am yeah, so excited. Last couple seasons, man, like yeah. Football's my wheel, my wheelhouse. So. My freshman, my freshman year on in, on campus in Corvallis was the year that Gary Anderson up and walked out on the program. A couple weeks through the season, uh, I still remember where I was on campus when I got the notification on my phone that the Beavs were going with Jonathan Smith. So this has been such an incredible turnaround to see. From uh, I mean, we were one and eleven, I believe, my freshman year with a win that they squeaked out over. Portland State. So things have turned around to say the least. And looking at the schedule, I love the schedule. Um, the Sunday start on week one's a little odd, but you've kind of been boots on the ground down there at Pro Throw, at some of those spring practices through spring camp. Uh, what is your overall gauge on the team exiting spring camp and kind of how things have progressed across camp? Uh, my kind of Gut feeling is I think this team is going to be right up there uh, for Pac-12 uh, championship. I mean, they're right in the mix for it. I like the returning depth that they have on defense. Offensive line is great. I mean, you, you're you returning majority of your starters. You know, can't say enough good things about the offense. Right. Uh, defense, I know a lot of people are like, hey, you know, you lose Alex Austin, you lose Rajon Wright, you lose Simon Sandberg, Carrie Fisher Morris. How's everybody else stepping up? And they, I like the depth there. Joe Swan's a good, um, great corner so far. Has looked good. Jaden Robinson's taking that next step after a strong performance in the bowl game. Secondary depth is also pretty good too. I know you lose Skylar Thomas to injury, but they're not going to be like. They're probably not going to be like last year, but they're still going to be really good uh, on that side. And Makaya Tung is going to stick at inside linebacker too for the season. Trent Bray kind of, kind of, kind of said this is what where he's going to be. Uh, I know Smith said, "Hey, we reevaluate midway," but right, Bray kind of tip tipped a little bit in an answer and kind of said, "Hey, I think this is where like if he." continues to be even better or improve even more from spring camp headed into training camp he's gonna be he's gonna be probably competing for a starting role so is that kind of a deal where you think smith and bray might have pulled a feather out of the cap there and really struck gold with moving uh tongue across sides of the ball and sticking him at the linebacker spot i think so but also makai tongue did have offers to play d1 at on the defensive side of the ball too so safety and linebacker so he has, 
if you if you see him, he's kind of built like one too. Okay. Kind of hits exactly like his father Reggie did mm. too, um, especially on special teams. And so I think they did, and I think a good quality sort of you know kind of depth, right? Even if he if even let's say you know he's a rotational player start of, start of camp, yeah. Obviously, you can't predict position battles just yet, but you know what. Yeah. He's going to be a quality piece there uh, in the middle of and that. And with the with the Skylar Thomas injury, who do you see uh, kind of filling in that role now with him gone? I know it was before the spring game that he was injured, but that's really kind of when myself and the rest of the Beaver Nation kind of saw that he was out. I think Achille Arnold is probably going to be there in that role. And I like that. That's probably the best to, yep. best to expect to take over for Skylar. In terms of the rest of has um probably Katan maybe, but yeah. like Katan will be there. Alton Julian, I don't know his status yet, but he should be good to go by training camp. Gotcha. Uh, I was about to ask on him. But like I think it's gonna be probably probably a little bit, a little bit of both. But Skylar could also play, you know, some some corner if need be too. So but I think he was probably gonna be playing a little more safety. Yes, uh, that, that one kind of hurts then, especially with filling in for already Jaden Grant departing and, and things of that sort. But yeah, I mean, from what I've read, uh, for part of the your work and uh, some other people's work, it's I think there's a lot more concern on the defensive side of the ball than there needs to be. Yeah. Uh, it seems that the people that are there in place, Trent Bray and the rest of the defensive staff have really done a good job of kind of creating depth although it might not appear to it to uh, kind of the general public's eye because you're not seeing those guys get the reps just because they're not getting game time. So on the switching things to the, the offensive side of the ball, everybody's favorite topic, you knew it was coming. What's the, what is the quarterback room looking like right now? Coming out of spring camp, but I also want to know kind of what it was looking like through spring camp because obviously DJ and Childs, the two probably most impressive athletics-wise, but they've got to learn an entire new system which is no easy task, especially something with the way that Smith is running that offense in Lindgren. Oh, yeah. Uh, you reminded me of Sean Scheffler. When I first got there to the first spring practice, Sean, I was like, you know, talking to Sean and I was like, hey, I want to see, you know, we were in, uh, we were in tr- inside Truax and uh, I was like, hey, wanted to go see DJ throw and the rest of the quarterbacks throw. And, you know, Sean was joking around. He was like, who? I'm like, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I will say for that first day, though, they were letting um, they were letting quarterbacks, you know, throw the ball down the field. I and mean, kind of as, you know, as spring camp kind of progressed, kind of scaled it back a little bit. Yep. Uh, that's that's to be expected. It's spring ball. You know, you can't, you know, you know, they're probably saving until 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 training camp. But in terms of the quarterback battle, Ben was kind of leading things off first. Makes sense. I mean, DJ and Aiden learning a new system. That's that's to be expected. Uh, DJ had some really good throws early on the first week. He kind of looked a little bit out of place a little bit, but like as he um, got you know got going, then he looked a little more comfortable in that second week there. And um, that's that was something that was um, that I kind of noticed. I picked up the system a little more. Aiden's also done the same too. He might be in the mix for some playing time here pretty early. Uh, but right now, quarterback battle is kind of between both Ben and DJ for that starting role. Yep. I do not expect Aiden to start. 
And that's nothing to take away from his spring performance or anything like that. Look great, look amazing. But I do, he was, I do want to preface to everybody that was kind of like, is he too good to sit, you know, type of thing. Sitting him doesn't hurt. Yeah. You know, it gives him time to learn, you know, behind DJ, behind Ben, guys who've done it before, you know, gives Aiden an opportunity to bulk up a little bit too, to take on the rigors of the season and, you know, I, I, I mean, that's he's, the thing he's is 17 right now. And exactly. so he's going against second and third string defenses. Like, yeah, he's supposed to look good against them. He's right. big against twos and threes mainly. He's gotten maybe a little action with the ones, but like mainly twos and threes. <laughs> and that's one thing that everybody seemed to take note at the size of DJ when he took the field on two Saturdays ago for the spring game. Childs will look kind of that same stature he, they've got the height wise pretty even Childs is just missing a couple pounds on him so i think give Childs a couple years probably one i mean i'm surprised if dj sticks around for a second year depending on how this year goes he does still have two years of eligibility left yeah of course and i think he's been like taking this one step at a time right now um and not really like you know making a decision on that yet so i think we'd probably hear something by the end of the off season right and uh, I mean, it's kind of the way college football has changed. I think NIL is a huge part in it. Uh, these oh, yeah. quarterbacks are starting to return. I mean, just in the Pac-12 alone, uh, you've got Bo Nix coming back, Michael Penix coming back, Caleb or um, Cam Rising's coming back. I'm sure there's a missing at least some. I don't know if Delora wanted to leave or, or he had an option of that sort, but some of these guys are choosing to stay because they're <laughs> they're still getting some coin in the in the NCAA, and they honestly might not be uh, if they go off to the NFL but that's the one thing I like is child's parents have been completely transparent about it on social media like, they know that this is the situation in Corvallis um, so Beaver fans can kind of take a deep breath there and not have to worry about him hitting the portal and heading out obviously tampering will be um, an issue and something that the NCAA will need to address but I feel good about it I think yeah this is a perfect situation for him to oh, yeah. kind of cultivate that culture develop and watch kind of DJ. Cause I think their play styles in the offense will be pretty similar. We got to see Childs show his legs a little bit in the, uh, in the spring game, which I don't think we'll see too much from DJ over the course of the season. DJ did show some of that in spring practices. Okay. In there, but it wasn't a lot, but yeah. he has that ability uh, to do that if need. Right. But I don't know. I still think, I mean, it's going to be DJ come week one, I believe, that Sunday game in San Jose. I think, uh, unless, you know, injuries or anything of that sort. But going back to, I'll go back and watch old highlights every once in a while, but that opening game against Boise State, the downfield attack was the most you'd seen in any of those games, especially when Chance Nolan uh, kind of was removed from the starting lineup with injuries. And then as Cole Branson just kind of took the lead they were throwing bombs down the field against Boise State and they were connecting, which is something that you haven't seen in this Oregon State offense for years, probably back to Mannion or something of that sort before those guys left. So I think this now new quarterback room kind of brings that wrinkle back into the offense, which if you can incorporate that and be accurate down the field, playing off the play action with those two running backs, I think there'll be some faces that if oh, you can, <laughs> yeah, the quarterbacks will be they, fun. Yeah, they got, they, they bring a bunch of different skill sets to the table. So this is and probably the deepest 
probably ever yeah uh, smith has had and so it's very exciting to see how how this uh how this quarterback room kind of shakes out for sure well i will uh before i let you go here i've got um running out of time here on my my zoom call but I won't ask for a prediction quite yet for the season because um, I will, if it's cool with you, I'd like to have you back on uh, in the fall, kind of when fall oh, practice sure. is going back on. Yeah. And absolutely. we will dedicate a whole episode to breaking down what things look like on the inside. Yeah. I will. But, but before we go real quick, I do want to yeah. say Beaver fans out there, like DJ willingly wants to be here. Like, you know, it's almost kind of surprising and to the fact that like he's really good with the media and all that like he's a really nice guy really chill dude i met him after pro day introduced myself to him kind of asked i was like hey man why here you yeah. could have anywhere and uh he was like he, he basically said he loved everything about about oregon state and you know really wanted to be here and first media availability shook everybody's hands and introduced himself so very 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 nice guy so awesome. i do want you want to say that that is that is a good question i have not met him yet well that's it's crazy because he did mention that uh he didn't check out campus he didn't know much about corvallis he just i don't see a total football decision he just liked the offense he liked coach smith he liked what lindringer was going on so running the team the entire year too yeah yeah well awesome i appreciate you coming on ryan Uh, this was great i'm sure everybody will will enjoy it out here um and like i said we'll definitely have you on more and more moving forward and hopefully we can get a little clean sweep this weekend baseball and softball can both take their series and uh and head into their postseasons respectively on a, on a good note yeah no it sounds good yeah yeah right on cool hopefully. i appreciate you coming on yeah. uh but like i said ryan thank you again for reaching out and uh, i'll have you on again soon sounds good man i appreciate it <laughs> you got it i uh, thank you again huge shout out to <clears throat> ryan harlan for coming on and sharing some knowledge with you guys um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. He is someone we will definitely have on, and I look forward to working with in the future. It was awesome to just talk to him, and I talked for a long while after we finished up here, too. So he will certainly be back on uh, to talk football and things of that sort as we get closer, um, and maybe a little bit of postseason baseball when we get closer there. Um, but thanks again, all. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, huge midweek game tomorrow night against the Ducks, baseball-wise. Um, I'm going to try and make it down there. I'm going to get it. Got to get a a couple things taken care of, but I'm going to try and get down there and get to my only game of the season uh, besides next Tuesday out in uh, Hillsboro. But all right. Thank you all again. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, Please give Mr. Harlan a follow, uh, Ryan underscore Harlan7 on Twitter if you don't already. Um, Excellent, excellent beaver coverage there as well. And uh, yeah, thank you all. And I will talk to you guys later this week. Go Beavs. Go Beavs.